want to kind of tell you where we're going again, and I try to do this every week. The goal of the class was to try to understand a very difficult concept on, on you know, superficial reading. It doesn't seem so deep. It's the secret place. It's the protection of God. But in that, I wanted to take you on a journey, and so I've said all along that we're building blocks. That By the time we get to the end, you'll be able to put your finger on it and say, this is the secret place. So I'm trying to build a thought, and the thought that I want to build is to end with a, a pretty clear picture of what I think it means to dwell in the secret place of the Almighty. And I had a subtitle called Inside the Mind of God, and that's kind of where we're starting to go with this creation of Lucifer. Here's a recap. We were talking about Lucifer and felt like the best way to understand the secret place was to go back and study the first created being before Adam and Eve and why God made him the way he did. And what we came up with is that Lucifer was called the morning star or the light bearer and that what Lucifer would do is that in his creation, he would bear the glory of God. He would reflect the glory of God as the light bearer. So God who is light, Lucifer was created as the light bearer and Lucifer... Uh, his job was to come to earth and to bear the light of God's glory to God's creation and therefore would cast the shadow of God's glory all over the earth. We saw last week and we left with the thought that he rebelled. We gave this thought last week. Could it be that Lucifer, who was covered in stones, that's Ezekiel 28, was to bear the light of God who himself was covered in light so the earth could see the glory in the shadow of the light? And that was the picture we gave. I know it's kind of just a Google, but it's a thought that did kind of show what I mean, that Lucifer would show up to God's creation. And I can't think devil. I have to think the most beautiful, wise being ever created. And he would reflect the glory of God on the planet. He rebels. And we said last week we left off with the understanding of the secret place. We had to turn our thoughts to the concept of covering. And I made a lot of thoughts there. And the thoughts that I made was, why was Lucifer covered and why was Adam and Eve made naked? And we're going to, over the next two weeks, though that seems pretty trite, like who cares, they were naked. I think it really does matter and I think it was intentional by God. And tonight I'm going to leave you at that thought of building now because once we get Adam and Eve here, we can really start laying the blocks to the foundation of why were they made the way they were made? Why were they created this way? And once we understand why, we will be able to, this is my opinion, we will be able to connect every Old Testament teaching and every New Testament teaching back to the original creation of Adam and Eve and what God intended and what God wanted and when Jesus came, what He bought back and what He wanted. And so I pray to get you there tonight. Let's jump into lesson three. Here's the reading we've been holding on to. Psalm 91.1 He who dwells in the secret place. Again, think this through. We said that the secret place could not just be a geographical location because you couldn't dwell there. Uh, it would be unfair if it was just in one location. So whatever, whatever it meant to dwell, it meant to abide, it meant to camp out, it meant to stay there. Uh, this is home. So what we could take is uh, he who finds his home in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so by the time we get to the New Testament, I pray that this one verse 
will have such clarity in your life of what does Jesus want, what does God want, and are we going to be able to dwell? Because the real question that even Jesus will ask His followers and that Paul asks of the church is, do we have the ability to dwell, to maintain, to stay the course of what God has called us to do? So what happens when Lucifer, the light bearer, rebels? Isaiah says that Lucifer said within himself, I'm going to take my throne, and meaning he, he had a place of authority and rule on planet earth, and I'm going to exalt my throne above his throne. We saw that last week. I'm going to exalt what God has done in me above him because I want to be like the Most High. Now, the moment that happens, we get just a, a snippet of insight from Jesus because Jesus, referring to Lucifer, who will later be termed the devil or Satan, uh, the names that are given through him throughout the Bible, Jesus will say, Behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And you really don't get much to that. We just kind of have a, a mental picture of a lightning bolt coming from heaven back to earth. And then we just kind of keep reading the Bible. But if it be true, so think this through. If it be true of what God said, that this created angel is a light bearer, and that created angel that's a light bearer is to bear the light of God, but that light bearer rebels. And that light bearer says, I no longer want what you created me for. I'm going to do my own thing. As soon as we can say what would happen things in the Bible begin to become really clear. Even before Adam and Eve show up, things start becoming really clear of what's going on, what's taking place. My belief is this, and, and I said all this last week, but I wanted to teach it a little clearer. In the beginning, Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. Before we ever get into day one, let there be light, we, we have this epiphany of something has happened to creation. And I'm not going to talk about that, like to go back like I did in Genesis, but I want to focus on that darkness covered. Because what I believe happened is I believe the moment Lucifer rebelled, the glory that he reflected was cut off. And he no longer could reflect glory. But he still had the ability to bear something because he's created the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So all God does, in my belief, is God stops the light so that Lucifer, for whatever reason, cannot reflect the glory of God anymore. The best thing he could do is mask it, fake it, or deceive it but he cannot bear the real light of God. Reason, the New Testament will say, is that he still has the ability to pose himself as an angel of light, but it's not uh, something that could be approved by God, which is why deception is such a powerful thing because you feel like you're right, but you're 100% wrong. My belief is when Lucifer sinned, God booted him out of the position that he had and he took his gift, now not a light bearer, but a, but a being of darkness, and he covered the earth in darkness. Now, if we take that to be true, I know it's an opinion I'm giving you. I'll try to tell you why I think it's more than opinion. 
If we take that one premise that this light bearer that is the, that is the created being of God becomes the rebellious being of God and the light bearer becomes the darkness bearer, everything in Scripture begins to make sense because what we start out with before Adam and Eve is a battle between a God of light and a created being of darkness. And they are going to war for the entire Bible. This being of darkness created by God, brilliantly wise, is going to have a consistent battle against this God of light. So what we need to know is you have never been the key player. You're in the middle of light and darkness and you're stuck in the middle. And they war against each other and they use us. So that God says to us, I'll teach you what He says about us, that we are children of the light. And Lucifer says, you're children of darkness. And the dark, and we become the pawns in the cosmic battle. We know that to be true in the book of Job because Satan appears before the throne and says, well, I'd like to do this, but you've hedged Job about. See, they're already using human... Lucifer uses a human as a pawn. And, and really, he's using Lucifer as a... Uh, he's using Job as a pawn in his game, not because he hates Job, but because he hates God and he's trying to prove that God is unfair. Not to Job. He's trying to prove God's unfair in the cosmic world. It's a battle between God and, and Satan. And Satan's like, I'll prove to you why they serve you. And so if we take that to be true and come into the New Testament, we even see it says in John 1, that Jesus came and He was the light of the world and He came to expel darkness. So this thing of in verse 2 of darkness, it's not, you can't think of it, I say can't. I would say don't think of it as just darkness, meaning there's just no light and we turn on a flashlight and there's light. Or sunshine, because sunshine light doesn't show up till day 4. So whatever it is, it can't just be black darkness, absent of light, I think what it is, in my opinion, is it's a created being that cannot reflect the glory of God that comes to cover the earth so the earth cannot see the glory of God. And so now we have a, an angel covering God's creation and we have God who is light and so there's no reflection of God's glory on the earth, it's just darkness. And the funny thing is that the darkness, I don't have time to teach this, but to stretch your brain, the darkness is covering the water. And if we take that thought, it goes all the way through the Bible because God is going to use water as a significant judgment on darkness. So I think that Lucifer, who's even covering the darkness, is trying to cover the judgment of God so that you'll never know God is a judge. And that's the one worst thing is that we start thinking there is no judge. So he's covering the waters that God judged the planet. And then he comes out and we see that God uses water to judge uh, Noah's generation. And then we come to Jesus and the demons and the pigs. And they're like, please just let us go into the pigs out of the man. And Jesus is like, yeah, just leave the guy and go into the pigs. As soon as they go into the pigs, the pigs run into the water because the water is a place of judgment. And this is why water baptism is so important. Because water baptism is you go under the water in judgment 
And when you come back up, you're resurrected a brand new creature. So God, every time there's baptism, and we, we look and clap, we're clapping, hey, somebody got water baptized. But in the spirit world, what the enemy sees is the enemy of darkness is defeated and the Savior of light is resurrected. So baptism is darkness to light. That's why it's so powerful. That's why you'll hear people say, I got water baptized and things changed. Chris's testimony sitting over here is when he got water baptized, he came up speaking in tongues. Supernatural things happen. Well, I don't know why I went that way, but it'll give you something to study. So what does God do? How does God remedy the problem? The first thing God does is to say in verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And the darkness was... So we would have to conjecture by Genesis 1-3, there's some kind of cosmic thing going on between light and darkness. And once you put your finger on it, everything begins to make sense. Everything begins to become clear that there's a battle of darkness and a battle of light. This is what he says when I say that I think God may have cut the light off from Lucifer. Isaiah 48. I am the Lord. That's my name. And my glory I give to no other. Now that's a powerful thing because it's from a prophet long after Adam and Eve and long after Lucifer. And it sits about in the middle of the Bible, which is strange because what we're going to find out in the New Testament, which is kind of where we're going in the weeks ahead, is God does share His glory with us in Christ Jesus. But He says here, my glory I'm not going to give to anybody else. So there's a thought with God that if He's not going to give His glory, He's not going to share it. We, we could intimate this. He's not going to share it with a being, a, a created being, which I think was Lucifer, and He's not going to share it with humans. Now this is so powerful that if you even get close to God as a human, you drop dead. And He says, I'm just not going to do it. So when Paul writes in Colossians, Christ is in you, and Christ is the hope of glory you realize, wait a minute, something must have happened in Jesus that God is now willing to share His glory with me. So this battle between, maybe glory is a little depth of a word, shallow it up. I'm not going to shine my light on anything that is darkness that will not reflect my glory. I'm not giving it out that cheap. My glory is my, is my light that will be reflected in the creation. And then he says, he goes on to say, my praise, which is a powerful thing we'll talk later. So here's the answer to the question, what happened when Lucifer rebelled? God, this is my opinion, God removed the light of His glory from Lucifer. And Lucifer, at this juncture, all through the Bible, becomes the angel or the prince of darkness. I got darkness, that sounds better. I misspelled it for him, I didn't want to give him any glory. But he becomes the prince of darkness. You hear Paul say things like, the, the God of this world has blinded the mind so they cannot see. And all through the thinking of Scripture now, we have this battle between good light and between dark and evil. And here's where we're going to kind of pull it apart because this 
is going to give us insight on why Adam and Eve were made naked and why God intentionally did that. Listen to Isaiah 9.1 to show you what I mean by this battle of darkness. The people, that's planet earth, who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Now it picks up this same thought. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light is shone. And this was a prophetic promise of Christ that was to come. But it gives us what's going on in the spirit world is that there's a place where humans dwell. And it's not like north, south, east, and west. They dwell under a power, a covering, or a cloak of darkness. Humans dwell under a shadow of darkness. They dwell there. They're they're born into it. Every human that comes is born into this covering of darkness and evil. And whether we want to be in it, we're born into it in this, this land of darkness, this deep darkness. And God's remedy, again, is the light has to shine. Well, I mean, that's just simple. If it's dark, you turn on the light. But again, it's this cosmic battle between two supernatural beings. One that is called the Son of God and one that is called the angel of the Lord God. You know, Lucifer, the cherub, the created angel of God. It goes on to say this, Paul, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6, 12, but against rulers, against authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Even Paul, which is where we'll go in the weeks ahead, intimates that even though Jesus died, darkness is still here. And we know that to be true, just turn on the news. There's darkness everywhere. We would call it evil or sin or however we would want to do it. It really doesn't show up as sin. It originally shows up as darkness and death. And then we ultimately call it sin later. Lucifer, here's a thought, who was the once the light bearer cast in the shadow of glory is now the darkness bearer casting the shadow of death. Now it begins to become clear because when you read this scripture, I'll give you that thought. So where he used to bear the light of God's glory so that you could see the glory of God because he represented the light of God, now because he sinned, he's referred to as the prince of darkness and he reflects a shadow of darkness, which is death. And even in the New Testament, we find out that death is not an event where we bury you. Death is a spirit being that comes to rob people of the life of God. And that's true because as we go through the revelation, we find out that Jesus takes death and the grave and throws them into the lake of fire. So death is not just we buried grandmama last week. Death is a spirit that works in this realm of darkness where Lucifer reigns. And he looses this spirit of death to do one thing, to rob people from the life of God. Now here's how it works. Lucifer, who's the the angel of darkness, covers in darkness and looses death so that his darkness blinds you from the life of God. And this becomes the battle. 
because this becomes a power that begins to work and it begins to walk with us through life and whatever we call it, our lust, we call it our flesh, we call it our demons, we, we call it our bad choices, whatever we want to call it. And so this concept of a dark being that throws a shadow of death makes a little more sense in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, well, if you take that in a, in a context of what we're saying about Lucifer, even when you walk in a way that this being of darkness is trying to shadow you in death, it's what he does. He'll do it through fear, anxiety, depression, those senses of I'm never coming out of this thing. It is what it is. He says, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, taking the thought of the shadow of death, taking the angel Lucifer, who's now a prince of darkness, if we take that battle all the way through and we come to you and me, to where it really becomes practical now, because it's about to start becoming very practical and much less some event off in the past we weren't even at. What we're going to come to is me and you, to where we wake up every day, and you may look at someone and go, I don't know, how are they a Christian? And they're not changing. How, how do they say they're saved, but there's no life in them? How do they come to church every single week and that nothing about their life ever changes? And we can use terms like hypocrite. We can use terms of whatever we want. But it's the spirit of darkness that blinds the minds of people so that people cannot see the glorious light of God. And all through the New Testament, here's where it gets interesting. I love this thought because now it begins to become practical to me and you. Isaiah 25, verse 7. And he shall swallow up on this mountain, talking about God, the covering that is cast over all people. So just let that sink in a minute, kind of what I've been trying to teach, is that there is a covering that Lucifer has an ability to do. I wished it was that he covered in God's glory and light, but he doesn't. He covers in darkness and deception. And God says that that covering covers all people. It's why Jesus is going to demand, you must go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the whole earth. Why would I have to go to the whole earth? Because the whole earth is covered by a veil over all peoples. I'm going to swallow it up. Well, what is he going to swallow? This covering. So get in your mind a covering. And in that covering, I want you to see not a blanket, but an angel that, that is hovering over God's creation. And it's over all nations. And my belief is, as Lucifer hovers over all the nations as a being of God, uh, in some ways, a whole other teaching, but in, I think in some way he uses spirit beings, we would call them demons, in all these different regions to do His bidding. It's why you can go into a different city and just go, God, something weird feels here. What is that feeling? Dark. You can, if, you're, if you've followed God long enough, you can just walk down certain streets or go into certain places and just feel the darkness. Like, what's here? Like, ah, that just feels weird. So 
there, there is what God is going to let us know is that there's this covering of darkness over the world. Well, what is God's answer? I, I made a joke Sunday. It seems the answer of God would just be to bust the eastern sky open and go, boo, I'm God. And we would all go, he's God, I knew it. But God, I don't say cheating, he's God. But I'm going to tell you in a minute why God won't do that. Why won't God bust the sky and go, boo, I'm God. Just trust me, close the sky back and let everybody have revival. It's very intentional. Why he won't do that? Verse 8, I love it. He tells us now what he's going to swallow. I'm going to swallow up death forever. So that's go back to 7. I'm going to swallow up on the mountain the covering. A covering that's cast on all people and all nations. What is the covering that God is going to swallow, cast? I'm going to swallow up death. So God Himself says death, uh, death has covered every nation and the face of every person. That's how powerful this rebellion of Lucifer was. This is not just an angel turning into a snake going, want, want an apple? This is a cosmic battle that is so powerful that Lucifer can cover all the nations and people in, the, in a depth of darkness, a shadow of death. And God says, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to swallow it up. I'm going to swallow it all up. I'm going to take it all away. And we go, yeah. And then if you go to Corinthians, it even says, this is strange. Even though Jesus died on the cross, took our sins forgave us and offers eternal life, even Paul says the very last enemy to be destroyed will be death. And the sad thing about it is right now, every one of us are going to die. Our flesh is going to die. But when your old flesh and your ticker goes, I'm tired of ticking, I'm out of here, Death has no power over you. You just stop breathing here and you're immediately alive there. And the devil's like, God, I thought I had him. He didn't have you because death has no hold over you. So, so the best way to think about it is you don't die. Your flesh just says, I'm tired of this place. And then the, your, your spirit and soul go to that place. Because death doesn't hold you. But it's still here. It still rots the flesh away. It still causes evil and sicknesses and diseases and genetic problems and hatred and wars. And even though Jesus is dead, it's such a powerful enemy. He says, well, it's not destroyed yet. I'm going to destroy it one day. Not, not give you life that if you die, you get to go to heaven. But destroy death so that it doesn't even exist anymore. And the Bible says that this shadow of death, this being of death, this death that came when darkness arose in the rebellion of Lucifer, this is what it says. He said it's the very last enemy. Now think about it. If you're God, Alpha, and you're God, Omega, if you're God, the beginning, and you're God, the end, if you're God who is the first, and you're God who is the last, then it seems to be that if I say as God, the last enemy to be destroyed is death, but I'm also the first. It must have been the first enemy that was ever born, death. 
So the first thing that ever came into being is Lucifer rebelled, God shut off His glory, and when God's glory was shut off, there was complete darkness and death. And then God has been working to get the glory back. He's been working to bring His glory back to the planet. And so as we get all the way to the end of it all, God's like, all right, here, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Last thing I'm going to deal with is that old little fella that uh, thought he had a plan to run this darkness, this shadow of death. And I'm going to take him and I'm going to toss that spirit into the lake of fire. I'm going to toss him there with a false prophet and I'm going to toss Satan there with him. It's a powerful thing. Understanding, here's where it's going to get interesting because we're going here next week and it's going to get fun. I hope. Understanding the role of Lucifer, which I tried to do in two weeks. His creation is his rebellion, which I tried to kind of open the door for you tonight. Gives us insight into the first human beings created naked and no shame. Now think for a minute, if God's first created being that was to reflect His glory was a light bearer and the light bearer rebelled, He was covered in jewels, jewels everywhere. And you have a chance to make another being. And this being, you will say of this being, let us make man in our image. Now what is the image of God? Light. Can we all agree with that one? That the image of God, I know we think, and I'm not saying it's wrong, I know when we think image, we think, ooh, hands and elbows and knees and... And, and that we're the image of God. And I, I'm not opposed to that. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if I got up there and he didn't look like me, but, but we say this is the image of God right here, this flesh. I, I'm good with that. But think this through. Why would he make that little fella buck naked? If you covered an angel in the most glorious coverings of the most beautiful jewels and you covered him in such glory, and you said to that angel, now reflect my glory. And that angel rebelled, and now you come back and go, all right, here's what we're going to do. We tried an angel to reflect my glory, got an idea. My idea is we're going to make a being that is just like us in our image. And the heavenly realm does that. What messes us up is we see that out of a vacation Bible school Sunday school packet. And we see a little nice golden bronzed man that's not pudgy at all, got a little abs with a little fig leaf over his crotch, this gorgeous golden skinned woman. I mean, her figure's perfect. She's got two little leaves over her breast and a little leaf over her crotch. And then typically they're either looking at a piece of fruit or there's a snake over their head and we go, that's Adam and Eve. Or before they sinned, we see them behind a bush smiling naked. And we go, well, that's before they sinned because they're behind the bush, they're naked. I can't see them, but they're naked. And that's what uh, the thinking of how we've tried to portray that and it is just doggone so shallow. And, and you could think, well, they didn't need clothes. 
Well, just, here's the thought. This is so weird that had Adam and Eve, and they could have, had Adam and Eve had children, their children would have had no clothes. And then if their children had children, their children would have had no clothes. And then if those children's children had children who had children's children's children, nobody would have ever had clothes. And had Adam and Eve not sinned, you and I would be here tonight naked. But it wouldn't bother a one of us. I can't even think that way as a human because I think naked is shameful, naked is vulgar or dirty depending on where you come from, naked is beautiful depending on what you're thinking. But if you're not careful... You think like a human and you don't think inside the mind of God. And you're thinking naked, they just don't have clothes. But the problem is, we're going to dig this out next week, the moment they ate, it says they realized something. So what I'm about to share with you, I'm going to ask Michael to come on up. What I'm about to share with you, I just have to ask you, to, to not go down some rabbit hole in your head with what I'm going to tell you. Because what I'm going to show you, it has an ability to think he's new age. He's some Eastern religion. He's some Buddhist. I'm none of that. I'm a Christian that loves the Bible and Jesus is the only way to be saved and he's the Lord. But I want you to think about something. If God created Lucifer to bear the light and Lucifer did not and God cut his glory and Lucifer covered it in darkness, and then God said, let there be light, and darkness went, and then God starts creating, comes to a human, says, let's make the humans just like us. And he makes the humans like us, but naked. Then I could say, well, then God's but naked. I, I could go that far. Like, what, what is the reason? Here's my thinking. I'm teach it to you next week. I think that's what Adam and Eve looked like. I think they were beings of light, they looked like humans. They had hands. They had feet. But I think the moment God went, <gasps> and I think that old dirt just went, <clears throat> and light just began to shine all over them. And to Lucifer, this could not be. Because there's no way you could reflect the light of God without having jewels on you. You could not be a being that could reflect His glory. You cannot reflect the glory. I'm the one that reflected the glory. And God's like, I'm going to show you how powerful I am. They're going to reflect my glory with nothing on because I'm going to put my life within them. And God just went, ha! And His life came on the inside of them. My belief is they lit up. I know that might look like some Middle Eastern yoga thing. But just think it through. I'll teach it to you, but I need you to think it. Why do you think all through the New Testament, I am the light of the world and I've come to shine in darkness? Paul says, you are the light of the world. Walk as children of the light. You cannot live in the light and walk in darkness at the same time. What do we, this, this whole concept of light... We have to begin to see inside the mind of God what this human thing called flesh is and, and what we originally had before we ever sinned and then what we lost when we sinned and then what the Savior got back to us when He forgave our sins and what should we be doing with that today? That's the whole concept.
So when I ask you and Jesus says, Mark, you are the light of the world. Is this what the spirit world sees when I walk into the room? When I walk into the room and and Christ is in me and His breath is in me and His spirit is in me and I walk into my place of work and I go, hey fellas, I'm here. I know I look like a regular human being to the eyes of people in the world, but could it be in the spirit realm? The moment I walk in, the demons of darkness begin to back up and go, what just came in the room? What just walked into the room here? I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. I am not going to let myself be put under a bushel and be quiet. I'm going to shine with the glory of God Almighty. Everywhere I go, my feet will touch the land and I will own the land for God. Now that has to be true in thinking because when Jesus is walking down the road and bumps into a devil, the devil's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you come to torment me? Now, either he knew Jesus by recognition of his face, but Jesus said in John 1, I'm the light of the world. Can you imagine this little imp of darkness sitting on the side of the road, tormenting people? And all of a sudden he goes, what's that? Wait a minute. I hadn't seen a human shining since the beginning. Wait a minute, what? You see, that's why I'll teach you this. That's why he's called this the last Adam. Can you imagine... You saw the first Adam shining and all of a sudden you see the last Adam walking down the road and he's just shining in the spirit realm. And that little demon backs up and says, did you come to torment me now? Are you getting a picture of what this is? We've been duped by religion. We possess the almighty power of God resident on the inside of us and no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And what I read about the secret place, nothing on the right hand side or the left hand side can come nigh my dwelling. A thousand can go either way. No sickness, no disease can come near me. I have the life of God on the inside of me. And every... Do you understand once once you get that revelation of what He's done for you? Oh, come on, stand up with me if you will. It's going to be fun next week. I have to hold back now. But I'm telling you, when, when, when we begin to unpack who you are, we've been talking about who Lucifer is. When we start unpacking who you are, oh, come on, Jesus. Unpacking who you are. We say it as Christians, you need to know who you are in Christ. And we give you a little scripture, quote this scripture. Do you know who you are when you say, Christ is my Savior? Do you know what you're saying? Do you know that every realm of darkness is thwarted when you show up? And yet we have such anemic, sickly-minded Christians. I read today, someone said, I did, the devil's just been riding me hard. He's just coming against me hard. And I was thinking, oh, if you only knew who you were. He's afraid of you. You think you're letting him torment you? He's afraid of you. The reason I think he's just coming against me hard is he's blinded your mind. He's blinded your mind. Well, he's really attacking me now because I'm doing something. He's blinded your mind. Honey, listen, If even if you're the hangnail on the baby toe, of the body of Christ. You have more power in a hangnail on a baby toe 
than any devil of hell could ever have because of who you are. So Father God, tonight, I ask you to open up a revelation of who we are because of Jesus. These religious mindsets of we just live fleshly lives, get along, barely get by, poor pitiful me, victim-minded, sickly-minded, weak-minded. And then we run around and say, but we're saved. But yet we don't have the glorious light of Jesus. Blinded by the things of the world. Blinded by lust. Blinded by addictions. Blinded by darkness. Blinded by death. Walking around with a shadow of death covering us. Death over our marriages. Death over our children. Death over our joy. Death over our emotions. Death over our money. Do you understand when Jesus says, I have the keys to death? What He's really letting you know is you're free. There's no covering over you now. You're free from that thing. So tonight, as Michael... I just asked him tonight. He you know, just comes and he just worships. I just said, man, just whatever. You want to play? You want to sing? But I did say, Ooh. I said, why don't you just create an atmosphere of worship where we can just bask in the glory of God? So if you want to sing with Him, you can sing with Him. If you want to just kneel, if you, you want to just bask in worship. I told him this. I said, you know, it's Wednesday, man. We come in, we've been beat up. We've been in warfare. We've been working. It's just be good just to kind of, just like an oil. Just an oil. I don't know who this is for, but I feel like a cloak of heaviness is being lifted. Just a heaviness is just going to be lifted tonight. You've just been under heaviness. Just I don't even know if you can put your finger on it, but just heaviness. Just It may be as simple as just heaviness over money or heaviness over I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Or it, could, it could be a heaviness that just I don't even feel like I want to live anymore. The glorious light of Jesus. Before we sing, I I feel like I'm supposed to read this. I pray as I read it, you will be blessed. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through Him. Nothing was created except through Him. And this Word gave life to everything that was created. And His life brought light to everyone. The light that shines... Woo. The light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Oh, come on, I don't know who that's for. I feel that in my soul. Let me read it to you again. So whatever it is, whatever darkness is lying to your mind, whatever emotional battle you're in, whatever physical battle you're in, listen, just listen. I felt to read it like it's, a, it's going to be a surge of life that just oozes through you. The light shines in the darkness. Woo! 
and the darkness can never extinguish it. So God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself said, listen, I'm not the light. I'm just a witness to tell you about the light. But the one that's the true light, phew, who gives light to every man has come into the world. Jesus, I'm no John the Baptist, but I'm here to tell everybody here, you are still the light of the world. And that darkness still can't extinguish you. Now just lift your hands. Just begin to talk to Him. Just begin to worship Him. Just begin to praise Him. Hallelujah. Michael, just keep playing that. I feel like that there's, as he plays, that light is just going to... I know this sounds strange, but even out of the instrument he's playing, the glorious, the glory of God to you. Freedom. Just bask in it for a minute. Elijah said, bring me an instrument that I can prophesy that the demons on Saul could not stand just when he played. like I'm supposed to pray for the word in my heart is torment if you're here and you just feel like you've been tormented your thought life your whatever the torment would mean to you it's the word that jumped in my heart but if you just feel like I'm going through something it's just like a torment I I'm in a battle and it's tormenting me I want to pray for you so if you get out and come just stand up here and let me pray for you anybody here like that all right anybody else just in torment it can be laying awake at night you just can't calm your thoughts you can't it's just anxiety ridden it's here it may be a better way you're just not at peace you can't rest in it. it it just resurfaces over and over now some of my brothers and sisters come brothers get behind a brother sisters get behind a sister Father God, in Jesus' name, we gather around these. Send your light right now. I feel the word for all of you. I'm just going to lay my hands on you and say it. 
The light shines in darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Sam, the light shines in darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. That covering of darkness, it will not last anymore. The light will extinguish it for the light shines in darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. In Jesus' precious name, the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ shines in darkness and darkness cannot overcome it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, the glorious light of Jesus shines and darkness, Carmela, will not extinguish it. I know it may feel like the wind's blowing and it's really trying its best to put the flame out. No, darkness will, will never be able to extinguish the light. The light will extinguish the darkness in the name of Jesus. The light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not extinguish it or overcome it. Your testimony is about to shift. Your testimony is shifting. You're going to get to the end of the year. Your testimony will be, man, God shifted a lot of stuff for me. God shifted things that I just even forgot about. Things I prayed about, forgot about. Things I prayed about, I was nervous about. The Lord's just going to shift. and It's going to be a testimony. You'll look back to this day and you'll remember, wait a minute, light shifted things for me. God began to give me revelation. God began to give me wisdom. God began to give me understanding. He began to open doors for me so that darkness will no longer be a testimony. Darkness will no longer be the driving factor of of any future, but supernatural life of God all around you and in front of you. In Jesus' name, the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ shining over you, and the darkness will never extinguish it. In Jesus' name, the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ shining on you, And darkness will never, ever, ever extinguish it. The light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And darkness shall never extinguish it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, give God a praise. Give God a praise. Hallelujah. You can go back to your seat. Let's just stay in an attitude of worship for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship Him. It's just let a spirit of worship come through this house. Just, yeah, yeah, we worship you, Jesus. Lift your voices to the Lord God Almighty. Blessed be the name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus, Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus, Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. I believe, as I've been praying through this series, because when I started it, I started it with, I haven't got a clue about the secret place. I'd never taught on it. I just became really desperate. Holy Spirit, show me, lead me, guide me, open up Scripture to me, let me understand it, let me... I'm trying to communicate it in a way that my mind has tried to watch it play out. 
I, I have the advantage of kind of knowing where I want to end, so it's, it feels easier. But I will tell you the place where I'm going to take you is I'm going to take you to the place, to the picture I showed you to get you to finally believe you are truly the light of the world. And I'm going to tie that to the secret place. I'm going to, I'm going to tie the light of the world, what's in us, back to the secret place. And, it, and every time you think, and, and then things like you'll dwell there will make sense. Bow your head. We're living in a strange time. We're in an election year in this country, and I'm sure by now we're smart enough to know what that is. It's chaos and crazy things and misinformation and fake news and politicians and who are you going to pick and the next thing happening, the next crisis, uh, whether disease, whether war. Uh, all you got to do is turn on the news and pretty much just pick one. Terrorism, disease, war, famine, water's going to run out, won't have electricity, there won't be any food, 32 million chickens died today, you, you're not going to eat. And literally, if you watch it, you just kind of go, God, we're man, what are we going to do? Well, as a Christian, we kind of go, ooh, I just want the rapture to come. Ooh, hurry up, rapture. Come on, God. Come get me. Come get me. You can't think that way. You're the light of the world. When, when you pray that, this is what you're praying. Oh, God, in, the, in a world of this total dark, this is so perverted, get me out of here. Rapture me out of here. Now, this is what you're literally saying. God, in a world that's totally dark, take all the light and get us off the planet. He needs you here. You're the light of the world. I told you, I would say, why wouldn't he go open the world and go boo? Because he left you here to be the boo. You're the light of the world. His light in you. The glorious gospel in you. He left you here so darkness could meet him. He left you here so darkness could see him. He left you here to tell people about the light. He's not going to go boo and scare people. He's going he's to use you. And I, I think that's why he says, the reason I'm leaving y'all here is I want people to repent. I'm giving them as much time as I can. And, and many of my kids keep asking me to come get them. You're asking me to turn the lights off. I don't want to turn the lights off yet. I, there's plenty of people still in darkness. Can you not see? So, so here's the thinking. You would think that if we're beings of light, representing light in the image of God who is light, and we're commanded to walk in the light, live in the light, talk in the light, walk in the light, you would think those beings, when it got really dark, would pray the opposite prayer. Leave me here so that I can shine on somebody. Leave me here so that people don't have to experience death eternal. Leave me here so that the dark world that I live in and work in can see that there's hope can see that there's peace that's available to them. You would, you would literally think that would be the prayer we pray. Don't come get me yet. I mean, come on, that takes some mature thinking. Don't come get me yet. And leave me here a little longer so I can get one more, so I can shine on one more person, so one more person can meet you, so one more person can say, I found peace, so one more person can have eternal life. So God, don't come yet. Hold off so I can shine. But you want me to tell you why we don't pray it? Because we don't have a revelation of the light within us. 
and we feel overwhelmed by the darkness and we don't charge our, our spiritual batteries up. And when we go out in the world, we're not even shining. We're just dark like everybody else, hopeless, hoping He'll rapture me out. Well, my, my hope is in this series is that you'll have a new understanding of the secret place and you're going to walk around on this planet with a new attitude. And I believe that as long as we're here, what I read, when the righteous rule, the city rejoices. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just bow your head for a minute and just let that soak in.